the biggest piece of advice we'll move on. I want to give is treat sponsorship, like a partnership, not like a charity. Don't ask these companies or these individuals for money without telling them what you can do in return. Episode 95, Tank Slap and Pod. Roger Hayden. I was going to say a lot of fast 95s, man. It's crazy. When I, when I think of 95, I honestly think of Ethan Gillum. Like I grew up watching Ethan race, uh, one of the fastest young mini bike riders I've ever seen. And uh, we lost him very young and damn, it was like an extremely hard loss for for me and everybody, you know, I was a young racer and that was one of the first ones that, you know, I've been around that, you know, it happened and it was, it was a shocking thing, but I always wonder now, like how much of a fucking problem Ethan would be on the racetrack. Like, Oh, um, you know, no offense to Hayden. Hayden. I was going to say no offense to Hayden or Frankie Lee, but I always thought Ethan was the most talented. I'm sure a lot of guys would agree. And, um, man, I just would have really liked to see what his, career would have been like, but, uh, awesome memories with, uh, with Ethan and the time we got to spend with him was, was special for sure. And yeah. So episode 95, JD beach runs that number for Ethan and Roger Lee Hayden, uh, Ethan ran the number because of Roger Lee. They're, uh, they're cousins actually the Gillums and the Hayden brothers for those that live in Iraq and, and didn't know that, but yeah, ninety-five, bro. It's uh, damn, we're getting close to a hundo. It's crazy. It's, we got to uh, do a good one for the hundred. We got to figure out a good one for the hundred too, because we got to make it. I mean, they're always epic. I mean, let's just face it, we're pretty badass here. But uh, for need, the hundredth uh, one, man, we got to go wild. Maybe we'll do it naked. <laughs> I mean, it's on, not, but it's we'll not video. Visual. It'd be a, it'd be a video. <laughs> you got to subscribe to that episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah OnlyFans. We're gonna run it on OnlyFans. Yeah. We're gonna make a million dollars. Rob's gonna shave people. his chest and everything. It's gonna be good. A manscaped baby. Manscaped. Well, let's get into that. Let's get into the sponsors for uh, for this show that make it happen. This is uh, we did something a little different. We uh, this is Rob's idea actually. Uh, a little Q and A for Robbie, Bobby, and C Tex. We we take Q and A stuff like off and on, but this is a whole show. We're going to do a Q and A and yeah, open it up, man. We, we got a lot of man around the world questions that we're going to answer and we're honest. So you might not like our answers, but uh, it's what's what, you know, it's what we do. So um, they might not even be the right answers, but it's just how we feel personally. So, Hey, let's roll. Yeah. Well, sponsors, they make it happen. This show week in and week out, we're a very small podcast and, we, uh, we lit Rob's literally punched in at work right now and I'm taking time middle of the day to record these, but it wouldn't be ha- uh, possible without these sponsors. So make sure you, uh, you know, thank them and follow them on social media, buy their products, mission foods again, stoked to have them on board. I personally like all their products. I'm not lying. Every one of their products is amazing. I, you know, the tortilla chips, the tortilla shells, you know, we, we roll with mission foods in the texter house before and after, honestly, this, uh, yep, this sponsorship same. Took place. So make sure you follow them and just everything they're doing for this, the whole entire, I was going to say the sport of flat track, but the industry in general, they're really coming on board strong with, with racing. And we're grateful they're on board with our podcast as well. Bell power sports, check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. The official helmet of tank slap and podcast. If you, if you start tank slab and you want to be protected by bell, Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing. Yamaha is crushing it across the board. It's like the last two years, it's been a Yamaha onslaught in every form of racing from MotoGP to Supercross and the Nationals, Flat Track, 
Yamaha's crushing it. We're, we're grateful for their support in our podcast. Indian Motorcycle. Since 1901, Indian Motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Again, another brand that I'm super stoked on what they're doing. They really think outside the box and their passion for racing is, is unmatched. Like what they're doing in Moto America and Super Hooligan Racing, American Flat Track, taking the punches and they keep on swinging. The, the bikes are restricted to, you know, 43 horsepower right now and they're out there still still grinding and, and winning races so indian motorcycle make sure you go support them find a dealership near you and go test ride a bike take one home moto america vir is coming up man i got some pretty pretty crazy exciting news i i guess i'll save it for the next pod but C-Tex they definitely be, want to hear because i'm excited will be in the building you. at a vir so we'll, we'll talk about that more on the next episode but i'll be at vir i'm, I'm super excited for uh, the opportunity that the boys at Moto America have uh, given me. So I'll be at VIR. If, uh, if you're in the area, come watch the race. VIR is a really historic racetrack. It's been around forever. A lot of fast riders have raced on that track. And if you can't be there, make sure you subscribe to the live plus package. It's one Oh nine 99 for the season or 12 99 per event. Dunlop motorcycle tires, 19 and 17 inch tires, man, that DT four tire and flat track is great on any surface any track size i you know the dt3 was good but the dt4 is is just incredible i I don't think there's a tire you want on any track surface than the dt4 so make sure you check out their website dunlopmotorcycletires.com jerry stinchfield roof systems of dallas texas uncle jerry keeping us going since day one on this podcast check out his website commercialroofsystems.net nearly 40 years of experience and our big new sponsor where i'm actually really hype on this rob it's me I know too. you are too. It's Manscaped. Dude. Like, <laughs> you know you've made it in the podcast world when Manscaped reaches out and they want to support what you're doing. And I've been a Manscaped user for probably three years now. You know, I had the old school Manscaped and I switched over to the brand new Manscaped, uh, the performance package 4.0. It's honestly insane. It's got a freaking flashlight attached to it. Uh, <laughs> it's everything you need. Dude, it's crazy. It's waterproof. I roll in the shower with it, dude. That's, you know, a lot of info, but the shower deal, it like is, you know, waterproof. It helps no, reduce gonna... mix, snags and tugs. Um, no, dude, uh, let me drop some more info, dude. Cause you're not even that really hairy, but dude, like take it from the guy here. That's like the, the wildebeest, so to speak. So yeah, the, the, the system is just badass. It's like, I felt like sometimes I'm chopping through a chainsaw. So get that visual out of your head folks. But, uh, <laughs> The, the shit works, man, like point blank. Like I was, you know, it's not easy doing that kind of work, <laughs> so to speak. But man, the, the Manscaped set up the whole package. Uh, it makes it easier. And dude, I, did you get a pair of underwear? I got a pair of underwear too. I got underwear. I got, um, they got like deodorant. <laughs> you get the ball deodorant? Snack. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Man, it's actually awesome. It. It's awesome. It is. Like, it's These great. guys are geniuses. Genius marketing stuff. Yeah. And if you want to save, try it out. Trust us, you know, trust us on it. The, the code to go on manscape.com. Our personal code is tank slap 20. So if you want to save 20% and free shipping worldwide, the code you can use tank slap 20. We have a lot of worldwide listeners. I think the last time I looked, Rob, we had like, since we've started tank slap and pod, we've had like 71 countries tune in and listen to our show. So we ship free worldwide. Well, they ship free worldwide and 20% off the, um, the performance package 4.0. So yeah, shout out, to, shout out to Manscaped, but we got a lot of questions here, dude. And, um, this one might, man, I don't even know how to start, but 
I'll start firing off these questions and we'll take it casual. I was getting text questions, I, you know, the Instagram, Facebook. Um, I'll try and go in the order I got them. And I'm actually going to keep a lot of these anonymous. I'm not going to shout out who, who asked what, what we're going to read. Cause some of it's no bull crap. I'm, I'm calling them out. I want to hear, I want uh, them to know that we gave them some love. Okay. Well, I don't have all the names saved on all these. I just have the, uh, like I crop the question, but this is one I'm going to start with Rob and it's more in your area. Like I've said on this show multiple times, I don't pretend to be a dirt expert or track prep guy. Um, you know, when everybody's standing up there telling Moorhead or whoever else what they need <laughs> to do the track, people on everyone on Facebook's a track prep expert. I don't pretend to know that knowledge, but we have a question and I, I think it's from somebody. I think it's from somebody maybe I'm going to say Australia, but I'm pretty sure it's overseas. And he's asking, what's the most ideal pre- uh, way to track prep like a cushion, like a sandy cushion? Um, what equipment would you recommend? In what order do you kind of use the equipment? When do you touch up a cushion? You obviously do your Greenville race, pushing the cushion. You know more about that shit than I do. I, it's, you know, for me, it, what I like as a racer, it's pretty much common sense, like make it good. But um, I'll let you kind of yep. go into that a little bit more. No, I mean, it's exactly right. But I'm also not a track prep expert. You know, I do a lot of track prepping, but I don't have all the answers. But to answer this specific question with like a sandy surface, I mean, with anything, you know, the most important key figure, whether it's dirt, uh, sand, if it's clay, you know, whatever is is proper moisture. Um, And that goes for any kind of track surface, in my opinion. You know, um, there's some guys out there that'll run, you know, different kind of chemicals, which is fine. But for a track surface like sand cushion uh, at Greenville, it's very difficult to keep track of it. You know, when it starts getting a little bit dusty is when I say, all right, let's woe it down and let's 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 spread some more water down, Um, you know, and then drag, drag water, drag water. You know, I like uh, Greenville. I like it to be so wet. And I hate to say this because I don't want the riders to get pissed off at me, but the first say siding lap after track prep, I kind of want you to go through a shitload of tear offs just because, you know, it, it can soak it up so fast, especially a sandy cushion. So, um, to roundabout answer your question, man, it goes with, with what the track needs. There's no, you know, four o'clock PM. There's no set, you know, specific thing to do. If it needs water, put some fucking water on it. If it's getting rough and you have some really good drags, um, drag it drag and water and get that moisture down in there uh, another good example would be just to, to go back and watch any of the lima half mile um you know live feeds and and watch what what they do there they used to have uh charlie who was an amazing guy at uh track prep on cushions he did a bunch of cushions all throughout ohio charlie metzger uh, rest in peace um and he would he would soak the shit out of it drag it soak it drag it and um that's that's it in a nutshell i mean if it's dusty, put some water on it. You know, um, at Lima with Jeff Hire's race not too long ago, um, it got a little rougher than I'd like to see, and we had some downtime with some severe rains. So we actually brought the grader out and uh, and, and scraped past because uh, it needed more than just drags. But I don't know what kind of equipment you have in Australia. Build some really good drags, um, and you're surrounded by water, so water should not be an excuse in Australia. So uh, get after it and, uh, and water it down. There you have it. I will, uh, I'll just let that one go. But, um, <laughs> but that's not scientific. That's just what I would do. I mean, I just always want to see and, and visually, you know, I think cushions are probably makes. the easiest to prep because they can take rain. 
Um, like if I was going to build a cushion short track in my backyard to keep that like the most rideable throughout all conditions, I think like limestone is probably the easiest. I mean, you can pretty much almost race in the rain. Uh, you can't yeah, do that well, on, a, yeah. on a clay track. So we've, we've done that at uh, Greenville before it's been misting and raining. Hell, we almost had to, we almost canceled an event. Um, I want to say maybe five years ago, I think Lima got delayed also. And, uh, <laughs> and everybody kind of was at Greenville, like kind of bummed out. And I straight up said, Hey, Sammy, talking to little Halbert. I said, dude, I need you to go do a few practice laps. And dude, he did like three laps and all of a sudden, boom, everybody was back in their gear. And we knew that dude, that's when I learned it's maybe about seven, eight years. I'm not sure. It's been a long time, but well, and I do want to say that, you know, I think it's funny when some guys post a photo of like their personal track or some track they prep and somebody chimes in, AFT needs to get whoever's prepping that track to do their tracks. And it's like, dude, there are some racetracks that essentially just prep themselves. Um, not every good racetrack you see is because they're great at prepping tracks. Like some dirt sucks, some other, some parts of the country are better than others um time of know, year time of year time of year like there are some racetracks that literally you don't have to touch and they're always the same pretty much um so when you see a good racetrack it doesn't necessarily mean they prepped it the right way uh and that's something that like it's not even a fair like if somebody deserves criticism for track prep and obviously aft has done some things within the past year that have been subpar with track prep but it's not fair to make the comparison to somebody's track, like a go-kart track. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, it's just everything sure. is so relevant with, with that question. But anyway, we'll move on. Um, this one is kind of up our alley because we both promote races. And this gentleman asked specifically, any tips for a fellow promoter of, a flat, tra- of flat track races in the Netherlands? Um, loaded freaking loaded we, we could talk probably for i i almost want to do a whole podcast on promoting races because there's so much you could do and cover and everybody's got their own thoughts of thoughts and opinions on how to promote a successful race um but let's do one one biggest thing each rob like if you had one the biggest piece of advice for somebody that wants to promote a race what would your business model number one thing be Man, I'm going to use the like the MMA WWE method of get freaking excitement built up, get people amped up, make it something, an event that like, oh my God, like for, I'll use an example and yours an example. I'll use my example too. You know, like there's a couple races like the Panhandle Clash that even if I wasn't promoting it, I'd be like, shit, I got to make sure my shit's ready for December. Just like I do the same thing for the winter throwdown. I'm like, man. I'm going to be at that race come hell or high water. Like, and I've sacrificed multiple times to make it to that type of event because you know that there's going to be so many people there. Like there's a lot on the line. I know it's just awards and vet class and whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, for me personally, from a racer standpoint, I want to go somewhere where I know there's gonna be a shitload of racers. There's going to be a f- bunch of fun, excitement, competition. Um, you know, like I said, just use it like WWE, man, just make it, an event that like you don't want to miss like yeah it's cool like oh i'm going to so-and-so ohio for their you know their sunday afternoon cushion track yeah that's cool but that doesn't bring like the that doesn't bring the heat man i want to know that there's gonna be people from all over the country to come race and battle it out so from a promoter standpoint hype it up make it to where the people want to come out um and and realistically pensacola you know my own personal track 
we know that it can get rough. And a lot of people don't like to ride rough tracks, but we get crazy good turnouts because we're like, shit, man, like this is going to be a freaking battle. Or, you know, for lack of better terms, like, man, it's going to be a glorified shit show. Like, who knows who's going to win? Like, you know, it, that's what I like. I like it like that. No, that's excellent advice. And that would be in my top three for sure. And my biggest one, I'm going to flip it a little bit. Um, the main reason I wanted to promote a race is because I was going to races and every, not every promoter, but most of these promoters, um, they make it seem like they're doing the riders a favor by promoting these events. So like the, that mindset I think is just awful. Um, the riders are spending the money. We're traveling to the races. They're taking time off work. They're making these sacrifices. We're paying the promoters to ride. And it's like, they make it seem like they're doing you a favor by promoting these races. And the biggest thing I tell my crew and the, what I try and do throughout my events, winter throwdown is just like treat, treat it like a customer service industry. Like if somebody's not happy, you don't just say, Oh, well, that's the fucking way it is. You know what I mean? Like try and make everybody happy come hell or high water, no matter what you have to do. Like for instance, we had a rider who was parked really far away from the gate because we have so many people show up to the winter throwdown and the, the parking is just they're parked like a half mile away. And they, they, she, she, it was a young, young woman rider. She missed her. I think it was her semi and she was bombed and I was bombed. And, you know, it was both of our faults kind of like, you know, we both could have did a better job with that. And I just refunded her for the class. Like, you know, it's a lot of people, Oh, just the way it is, but you gotta, you know, if somebody gets mad, don't raise your voice, don't get excited, treat it just how you would a business, a restaurant or a, a dealership. Like, would you start screaming back at a customer? No, you wouldn't. But in the promoting world, especially in flat track, it's very common for people to just get so angry and act, you know, you ask them a question and it's, it makes it seem like you're being an inconvenience. And I always hated that growing up, um, not feeling like I could ask questions without getting reamed out at. So everybody that comes to my races, I want them to have fun. Like the biggest, you know, 99% of these riders, they're not doing this for a career. They're taking time off their work and traveling all across the country to your event. And you need to have some perspective with that. You need to thank these riders, do everything you can to make it a good experience because getting them to come to a race is honestly not the hardest part. You can hype it up and get them to come, but you want to keep them coming back. And one bad event, one bad experience can de deter riders from coming back to your event. So I would say, I tell my crew, Chick-fil-A method, just thank everybody for coming. If there's an issue, handle it favorably. And if like you're getting fired up, send them to me. Cause I actually, I feel like my temperament at the winter throwdown, it can be crazy, but we try to keep it fun. And that's kind of the biggest thing I would say is perspective on that. Just keep it fun. Um, I don't know, Rob, that's kind of long winded, but any, any thoughts on that? Uh, no, I mean, I think you're exactly right. I mean, we, we've been, um, uh, a victim of circumstance, I guess you will, uh, even at your own race, uh, with, with Landon Smith, you know, me and him both missed a semi and Landon went up there and there was a miscommunication and, you know, obviously you're bummed, you missed the race, but you made, you know, you made the call and, you can see that, uh, you know, you, you try to do everything you can to, to make it right, you know, and, and, and yeah, on one hand, like, 
you know, he missed the race. On the other hand, like there was still a couple different options he could have and should have done. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we, we took it in stride and, and you went out of your way to try and make it right and reach out to the guy's dad and everything. So, you know, it, it definitely happens like that sometimes, but, um, and you're not going to please everybody to talk to this promoter. I mean, yeah, you know, you want to do your very best, but there's, there's some racers out there that it doesn't matter if you hand them a hundred dollar bill on the way out of the gate, they're still going to find some reason to bitch and complain. And, and that's okay. You know, they earn that right. They have that right as a customer to complain, but just don't overstress it as if like you, you, you're not a failure if you don't please everybody is what I'm trying to say. Oh, absolutely. And then that's in the same breath. Like, yeah, we try to please everybody. We do the best we can, but the end of the day, there's, there's people like, you know, uh, one gentleman that, you know, he's got his money back last year cause he wasn't happy. So it's, you're not going to please everybody. Uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to please everybody, but generally speaking, we try to be fair and, and do the best we can. So as, per, as a promoter, yeah, like change, change the narrative, change the mindset on what it's been like for 30, 40 years and just, yeah, treat it like a customer service thing. Like you're there to make money. Like these promoters, oh, you can't make money promoting races. That's false. You, 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 the goal is to make money. It's a lot of, if you take the time, spend the, you know, the amount of time it takes to put into a successful event. If you spend that time, you can make money doing it. Like you can't, you're not going to buy a Lamborghini when you're done, but the, the, the Damn idea <laughs> behind promoting races is you don't want to lose money. So um, yeah, like there are definitely, there's opportunities there. We need more people promoting good events. And it's actually crazy to see how many great flat track amateur events there are, at least in the United States lately. Like, um, there wasn't, there wasn't what we have now. I didn't have coming up as an amateur. Like there are amazing amateur flat track events there. You can almost say it's thriving more than AFT events. Like there are some amazing amateur events and you can support those promoters and, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a good thing to, uh, to do. So, all right, sure. next one, um, got me fired up on the promotion questions. Like I don't even get that fired <laughs> yeah, up. No, no, dude, you could, you, you nail it. You, we could, we could talk about that like for hours and, and a lot of people are probably gonna be like, come on, move on to the next question. But like, it's, it's something that you and I are both uh, passionate about. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, right? it's like, you see, yeah. Anyway. So, um, some of these are pretty, pretty gritty. I like this one. What do you think is the most money anybody has made racing in one season at the national level? Man, I, is this for me to start? Yeah. I, I, I really don't know. I mean, because it doesn't, it's kind of, again, it's, it, we could go back and like the Camel Pro days. I mean, God, there were, what were those? Some of those challenges were like 10 grand a piece. I mean, <laughs> by the time you get, you know, if some of the factory riders back then, like, I'm not sure how much they made, but if adjusted for inflation, I mean, I got to think that they made some serious bank back in the day, especially who was it? Carr and Parker and Graham won a bunch of them, them big checks. Um, if I had to guess though, I would say currently, you know, I think, um, man, I hate to say this cause I don't want to like throw anybody under the bus cause I don't know. And I clearly don't see their bank accounts, but I'd imagine Jared Mees is, uh, is doing pretty well for himself. Um, considering that, you know, he's, if you look at his leathers, um, and his bike, there's a lot of stickers on there and Jared Mees is not putting your name on his stuff for free. Um, and I got to think the Indian is probably paying him pretty decent. I got to think that monsters probably, you know, giving him a cut. So I, I don't want to speculate on how much I just would like to say that I'm sure he's probably doing well for himself and he should, and how I much? wish all the riders were, Oh man, you know what? I'm going to throw a crazy number out there and I'm going to, I'm, I could be completely wrong, but if I had to guess, I'd say he's making a million bucks a year. Yeah. And I'm going to say, um, 
I think riders now are sorry. Someone, someone just rang my doorbell. My dogs are going ballistic. Um, I think the riders now are making more money than when the riders in the camel pro days, everyone talks about the glory days and the camel pro challenges and the championship bonuses, but uh, that was really it. Like riders back in the day. And that narrative has carried over to now is they are trying to just make money off of purse money and the opportunities. Yeah. Now there are so many more opportunities with contingencies and sponsors and podium bonuses. If you do it the right way, you can make really good money as a flat track racer. Oh man. And let me, let me stop you real quick too, because this, this brought me, and it's actually uh, kudos to you too, but you and a few other guys out there have actually went out of industry sponsors and too many people are like, Oh, you know, and no offense. I love Jerry death, but so many people go to Jerry, you know, and I get that. It's cool. Like Jerry's an amazingly good, generous guy. Like he's like gold for the sport, but you personally, Corey, you have Jerry helps you out, but you have kicker on the side of your bike. We'll use kicker for an example. Kicker makes stereo speakers. They could give two shits about flat track, but whatever you did to market yourself to them, and I don't know how much they give you. It's none of my business. They could give you a check for ten grand or a hundred grand or just some kicker speakers. But the fact that you know these people are all stuck, like, well, let's just hit up the same exact sponsors and dealerships, and wondering why nothing fresh is coming of it. And then you have other guys, again, you know, industry drink sponsors, you know, Monster Energy. You had Sour Patch Kids for for a year or two. Sour Punch. You had Sour Punch. I'm sorry, Sour Punch. Yeah. You know what I mean? But and that's the thing, like. You you can't just rely on man SNS exhaust or, or you know Vance and Hines they gave me a ten percent discount like yeah that's all good and helpful for the sport but if you want to advance yourself you have to branch out and say look I'm running this crazy fucking extreme sport we're going hundred miles an hour we don't have no fire suits we don't have no cages we're going inches away from each other wrecking this and that whatever like you have to hype it up and sell yourself to them on why they need to give you product or dollars and again, that's the biggest thing away from like. We've had, like, I was, I got sucked into a Facebook thing yesterday and um, the guy mentioned that sponsorship's not a viable option. Basically he said sponsorship's not a viable option for everybody because the exposure isn't there. And I was like, dude, anybody can get sponsor and sponsorship. Anybody can create their own exposure. Like you saw last year, especially with guys in my class, they're bitching about not getting exposure, like create your own exposure. Don't rely on the dude. series to give you exposure go create your own exposure, build your brand, like grow your social media channels, call up, you know, do the work. Like crying Here's about exposure example. is, is the worst lazy narrative you can, you can do. Um, here's, here's a good example. I'm going to give you, I'm going to use myself as a, as a, as a, as an example here. First choice automotive, Pensacola, Florida gives two flying shits about flat track, anything. He is a motorcycle enthusiast that owns car lots. I went to him back in the Harley Sportster days. He sponsored me. And you know what? It wasn't like $10,000 here and there. It was, hey, man, you going to race this weekend? Yeah, I got Springfield coming up, man. Oh, here's $1,000 help you with some fuel and some tires. And that's nothing to those guys. But people are so stuck on other stuff. And to this day, First Choice Automotive, if I need a sponsorship from him, I'll go and hit him up. He sells vehicles. Dalton Gautier just went and got a van from, oh, Dalton's a racer too. Cool. Well, I enjoy all the, the stuff you gave me. I, he still has my picture on the wall from a Maroney's Harley 883 that I signed for him when I was like 19 years old. Still on the wall. Guess what? Boom. Hey, Dalton, man, I'm going to knock 10 grand off that, that van for you. 
Yeah. Like, and I'll, how, and I'll go one further, like, man. I, you know, I'll, I'll share some insight on my sour punch deal. Um, cause I never really have publicly talked about that deal yeah. and it was, a, it yeah, was a I, don't, I don't know that I'd love to learn. Yeah. So the, uh, you know, the sour punch deal, you know, and a lot of this stuff, I, you know, I'm hoping I can get paid for some of this advice in the future, but I, I'll drop a little bit here on the pod for free for the listeners. The sour punch deal, we went to the X games in 2015 and I walked around the athlete lounge. I walked around the the event and I saw sour punch was a sponsor of the X games. So I knew they were branching into extreme sports. So I reached out to sour punch. Hey, I'm an athlete at the X games. Would you be interested in doing a painted helmet for the rest of the season? Uh, so we did the painted helmet. It was five grand, got my helmet painted sour punch. We ran it the, that rest of that season, sent them cool photos. Uh, I won't get into the details of like how you maintain that relationship on here right now, but the next year we worked out another deal and it was a lot more money than five grand. Um, I'll leave it at that. We, we got a lot more money, sour punch. You can buy the candy at the gas station. Like it's a very mainstream candy, sour punch straws, popular brand. And you got to look in, look outside the box, but also stay in the box a bit. Like I noticed they were at the X games. You can look in magazines, see who's advertising, sell yourself, do the work. Uh, anybody can do it. Riders need to, the biggest piece of advice we'll move on. I want to give is treat sponsorship, like a partnership, not like a charity. Don't ask these companies or yep. these individuals for money without telling them what you can do in return. Like make them want to make them feel like they need to be a part of what you're doing uh, is, is the biggest yep. advice I can get. And a lot of people also do a terrible job in flat track of free exposure. Like they'll get, they'll get a free, uh, pair of, a set of goggles. They got a free set of goggles and they put the logo on their gas tank. It's, you know, half off, you know, logo on the leathers. Like, as you mentioned with Jared Meese, nobody goes on his leathers unless you're paying him. And it's the same for me. Like there's, there's a, a level. That's how it should be. Well, I've turned down $500,000 deals uh, for spots on my leathers because I'm not going to like, there's a level everyone else pays and it's not fair for other people. Like, to put them on the leathers to take away from what the other, these other companies are paying. So I've turned down some of those deals at this point, because if we don't respect our value as riders, the value of our entire package goes down. Like if you're giving out free exposure to these, these brands and companies, they're not going to want to pay our sport. And that's why Supercross MotoGP is successful because the value of the product from the series on down to the riders has value. And um, the riders themselves need to have confidence in their ability to sell. And you guys have value. Like every rider in our sport, you're on Fox sports for, for crying out loud. Like you're on Fox sports, sell that, you know, you have that in front of you, do the work, get the sponsors. Um, anyway, we could go on about and that as well, but don't be afraid to take note. Like if you get one or two no's, don't be like, Oh, nope, I, I couldn't get it done. You know get what? There's been times no's. I've gotten, yeah, I'm about to say I'll, I'll get, uh, get 99 no's. But that one might be, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll put ten grand towards your program. Like, yeah. let's let's work out what we can do for each other. Like, you, you know, don't just say like, here's another thing too, man, and and we'll move on. But the if somebody comes to me like, hey, man, uh, uh, I'm uh, I'm looking for a thousand dollars, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put uh, I'm gonna make a social media post about you, and and I'm gonna put your sticker on my bike. And it's like, dude, thank you, but <laughs> nobody's coming to D and D Cycles to buy a bike because they saw you. Like, yeah, I want to help people out. I help people all the time, but don't use that same tired argument because 
let's be real. Like same thing. I'll use Jerry as another example. How many realistically he's in love for the sport? How many roofs commercially do you think he's made because he sponsored Corey Texter? Hundreds. <laughs> just kidding. No, I'm with you, dude. It's just and like these guys, you know, Jerry's great. Like he's behind the scenes. He's humble with who he supports. And you have some of these guys, I helped out so and so. I've been doing this for years. It's like cool, man. Like, are you doing it to help? Or are you doing it because you, you know, you want that, you want that spotlight? Like, just just yeah. fucking help and just, you know, whatever. But yep. we'll move on. Um, another question. Yep. What flat track bike is the most competitive on any track? If you had one bike to do it all, that's kind of a broad question. Um, it is. I'll let me. I'll take the lead on this one too. Just we'll keep this one short. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, we'll keep it short. So uh, if we we're asked this question five years ago, I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, all around bike, you got to have a, a DTX bike because they're so good on short tracks and TTs." But I can tell you right now, Dalton Gauthier on a Vance and Hines XG750 smashed the track record at PDT. Then Sammy Halbert on an Indian beat his track record. So, you know, I, I'm going to say a, a freaking good twin and, and primarily an Indian. I haven't ridden a Yamaha. I know that they've been a lot of tracks before. They're also great at TTs. They've won TTs, but man, a good twin is good everywhere, man. I'm going to say it. The only thing I don't know, maybe if you went to an indoor, but if you're doing generic short tracks, TTs, obviously miles and half miles, but you know, the four fifties aren't much slower than Indian on the mile, but man, I mean, the, the, the good twin has been proven to be good everywhere. I'm going to say XR100, all around, best bike. Well, for, are you talking about for training or racing? Did, what was the question? I'm just saying, the XR100 is best all around bike. You don't even have that. an XR100. You got an XR140 cheater motor. It's a 120. It's a 120 now. But it, it was stock. When I was whooping your ass down in PDT, that bike was stock with a pipe. But yeah, now with a knobby, awesome. with a knobby on a cushion track, bro. Sit down. We're not even going to get into this before I hang up on you. All right. On <laughs> um, to the next one. But hold on. What's the. So, so the question, though, um, is it is it? Oh, I don't I know. know. I, it, it, I just read it the way he had it. What's the most competitive bike on any track? I'm just going to go what, with the XR. What flat track bike? What flat track bike is the most competitive on any track? How can you say an XR100 is competitive on a half mile or a mile? It says it's on all, any track. So I'm it's, it's I'm assuming it. overall. I'm going to fight you to death on this one, but hey, but there is a, a follow up question. Is from Ancient Warriors. Um, there's two follow-up questions. So we'll say uh, my, my question is a really good twin. Yours is XR100, your answer. Mm -hmm. But uh, the follow-up to that is, can any of the older carb 450s be built to be competitive in current singles? Define um, competitive. Yes no. Yeah, yes and no. It depends on the track. I mean, we'll just use a Honda 450 as an example. Like a good carb Honda, they're pretty nasty, but a lot of them things got built into like big 500cc stroker motors and framers and stuff. So of course it's competitive. But if we're going by a FT rules, it, it wouldn't matter anyway, because I think technically, like by the rules, can you even run that old of a bike anymore? Like, I don't know what that rule is. I know they had a rule they were trying to enforce one of those <laughs> stupid rules where you can't run a old bike because of something. Um, I don't know if that's still a rule or not, but I'm going to say absolutely not. Um, this is coming from a guy that had, I had a carbureted Honda. I built a carbureted Honda in like 2014 and it just, it was good, but like to find competitive, like for me, competitive is win races. Can you win yeah, races on sure. a carb Honda? No, you can't. Um, nope, these, new bikes, these new bikes are so good. It don't matter what, who, who the rider is. If you put somebody on a carb bike, you think they're going to go out and beat Max or, you know, Mitchler, Dalton, you know, Cody on a, 
on a brand new fuel injected 22 bike. Um, I just don't think I'll go even further, man. I don't think so. Yeah. Maybe you could get a top 10 or maybe you could squeak into a top five on the right track, but I don't even know what track that would be at this point. So. I was thinking, you know, last time I saw something similar to that was Sammy Halbert on his old, like 07 Yamaha at Daytona. But I think realistically that was way more Sammy than it was the bike. But, um, remember he, it was what he like, yeah, that was 10 years ago or though. whatever. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And then uh, yeah. more currently, I built uh, Landon Smith an amazingly badass fuel injected 09 Honda, like literally probably 20 grand in this bike, like not that much, but it's a badass bike. Dalton took it, we took it to the throwdown. That was gonna be Dalton's primary bike before he signed with Turner. And um, he was, he was decent on it. I think like top 10 or so. And then, you know, we just need a little extra edge or whatever. So he jumped on the Husqvarna. He won the championship on and boom, second place to Jared Meese like, on the Indian, I think it was. So I didn't even know um, what, I didn't even know how to work on a carburetor until I, uh, <laughs> until I started working on cruises, PW fifties. Like I didn't know, <laughs> dude, I never worked on bikes when the carburetors were a thing. Like my pops always worked on them and I didn't give a shit when I was younger. I wish I did. I just, I didn't care to learn about it. And then when I, you know, cruise started running these PWs and, I'm like, what the fuck's a pilot jet do? Like I'm Googling it. Like, dude, now I feel like I'm almost borderline a carburetor expert, like adjusting. Just ask Shana. She'll tell you. Oh, Shana for sure. Yeah. I just, I never knew much about them. And now I can take apart a carb and tune it, clean it like big mechanic guy on, uh, on carburetors. So, uh, anyway, Real don't build a carburetor guy. bike. Just buy, <laughs> like, just buy a new bike. You know, I know they're like yeah. way expensive these days, but yeah. Um, if you were to promote an AFT national, what track would you pick and why? Um, I'll keep it short for me. It's all about demographic, uh, not so much demographic kind of it's geographical for me. Like I'm not going to promote a race. I think I talked about it like at the coin, like there's not enough hotels. There's not enough. It's not near where anybody I feel would come. So for, for me, the biggest thing I look at, I would look at for something like that, where, fan attendance is crucial to the success of the, uh, the, the race. It would have to be somewhere that made sense from, from that aspect. Um, I don't really care necessarily about the track. You can make any track work. I personally don't like doing cushion tracks because of the amount of track prep it takes. I like to run a quick efficient event and I don't, I would probably go crazy trying to prep a cushion every five races. I I'd go nuts, but yeah, for me, it's geographical. Like where, where are we going? What's the facility look like? What's the rent? Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I'm going to first say, what's the rent? Like how much, how much is it to run this yeah. race, run the numbers. And some people run races on hopes and dreams. Like a lot of people in flat track, it's like, Oh, we got to go to the coin. It's so great. You know, they used to run there back in the day. It's like, man, that's for me. That's when that was on the schedule last year, that as a promoter, that was uh, that was a nightmare. Like I was like, Oh, I would never do that. You know, it's same thing, you know, no offense that with that Missouri racetrack we just went to, that was not really near anything. Um, you know, no, I had to, no. I had to park a half hour from the your park. Yeah. Get a hotel a half hour from the facility and great facility, but man, it's just, it's not something I would do. Um, but everybody's different. So what, what are your thoughts, man? If you could, you could take one race over. I mean, if I could take one race over, it would be one that's already established like Springfield or Lima. Oh, like, for sure. Those racetracks, yep. no offense to Jared, but they, they pretty much promote themselves. Like everybody's going to come to those races and they, they, they've done a great job. Like Jared and Nicole, they've really spiced it up. They've brought new life to those events, but man, everybody knows Lima. Everybody knows Springfield. Everybody knows Peoria. You know, it's those yeah. three racetracks yeah, right. are almost sell themselves, but what would you pick? Yeah. 
Uh, so I have a two-part answer to this question. Um, as far as like if I want to just get in there and, and, and promote one, um, I'm going to say uh, Sonoya, Georgia. Um, it's got a it's it's real dear to my heart for a couple of reasons. Um, it's right on the outskirts of Atlanta, so you got like every flight goes into Atlanta. And it's like the cheapest place to fly into, like you said. You know, uh, big big draw for spectators. Um, the redneck factor there, Jesus freaking a man, like you get people coming out of the woodwork to say, man, I'm watching them crazy ass guys with no fire suits and cages and shit like that. You know, like they're just amazingly passionate fans there. They line the fences up. Um, and generally when we go there, we don't touch the water truck. We don't touch sweepers, nothing because the way the dirt is there and it's prepped, it's just, it does itself for the most part. You know, of course I'll be jinxing myself next time I promote a, an amateur race there. But, uh, and then the only thing after that, man, I, I want to do, um, I want to do a huge short track. When I say short track, like think of Bristol, but for motorcycles, meaning like the ha- how the Astrodome used to be. Like, you know, you're not going to fill up a sixty thousand stadium, of course, which sucks. But you know, let's just be real; it's not going to happen anymore, at least not for a while. But like, I always have this dream of like bringing in these badass bleachers for like PDT and just having a big, humongous shit show of a national just man just so much hype and excitement we got bums coming off the railroad tracks to watch you know just everything so if i had to promote one it'd be sonoya or like a a a very very badass short track like almost like uh you know they do that gateway nationals in uh i think it's st louis i believe at the end of the year where they race literally race late model dirt track cars indoors like in this arena and it's it's a bull ring. There's carnage. There's wrecks. There's fights. Like that is again going back to the WWE theory, man. That is, you just get a bunch of people pissed off in one location. You're gonna have fireworks, and and that sells. That shit sells. There you have it. Let's go on to yep. the next. Um, what is this? Or I'm sorry, who has the strangest pre-race ritual you've ever seen? <laughs> I don't. Well, you go. I've been gone first a few times now. You tell me, because I really don't know. I mean, I don't know rituals for these guys. I do think it's funny. I will say some of the dudes that, like, hit themselves in the helmets or they're, like, yelling or firing themselves up. Um, I've seen, like, Colby kind of get, like, self-motivated with doing stuff, like getting fired up. And Johnny Lewis is another. I've I've heard him like yelling his helmet and stuff like um, it, whatever works for those guys. I mean, for me, I think that's just outside noise. Like I, I, I internally get ready. You know, I don't like outside noise. I don't like headphones. I like to stay in the moment. I like to enjoy what's going on around me. I, you know, the sights, the sounds, I take it all in. And um, I think a lot of that, like I've tried the headphone things, listening to music and that's just, you know, when you start racing, the headphones are out. Like, how are you going to get yep. motivated when you don't have headphones? Like, if you need something like headphones at the gym or something else to get you motivated, you know, you take them headphones out, it's game time. Uh, m- the music can't motivate you anymore. You got to be self-motivated. So, yeah, for me, it's, you know, I'm more of a podcast guy. Any, like, I listen to a lot of podcasts, like, trying to learn. Like, lately, I've been learning, like, real estate, Airbnb, crypto. I'm trying to learn about. Um, but pre-race rituals i'm sure there's some goofy ones i i don't really have i don't have a good answer on who does that i'm sure there's guys that do some whack shit and i I probably do some whack shit and i don't even realize it but 
Um, I guess my, one of the ones that I do is kind of weird. I, I take my gloves and I, I close them before I put them back on. (laughs) I don't know why I do that, but I like put my helmet on. I grab my gloves. I close them up. I carry them like, like as I'm walking and then I open them back up and put them on. Um, maybe that's just like an, like I have OCD. Maybe that's just an OCD thing, but I don't know. Yeah, that sounds like OCD. I don't know any weird rituals. Um, yeah, I mean, coming from a fat guy, um, a weird ritual to me, you know, and it clearly works, but it doesn't work for me is like, I look over and see like you or other people like on a stationary bicycle. And I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? He's tiring himself out before the race. <laughs> and, and of course it's just cause I'm a fat shit. And like, like I'm like, Oh, every ounce of energy. Like I'm going to, I'm going to ride a pit bike to the staging area just cause I don't want to walk. But uh, you know, it's funny, like, like Dalton, I pick at him all the time. Like, before his race, you know, I'll try like amp him up a little bit. Cause he's even back in the day, like, man, when I was an amateur, you know, my dad used to make me pissed off. I'd ride better. So all that did to me is I'd go and piss him off and he would just cuss me out before a race. So I don't know if, if that's a good one either. Like, Oh, what do you do? Well, I cuss Rob out before I go ride and you know, I've been getting some podiums and some top five. So. <laughs> well, the, right. uh, the jump rope or stationary thing, it's kind of a heart rate thing. Like if you have your resting heart rate and you go out and you, you, you hammer it right from the start, you're, it actually makes you more tired. So the, the, the reason we kind of, some of the guys do it, JD beach and Briar and Meese, myself, you know, it's, it's raising your heart rate. So your, your body isn't shocked when you go race. Um, it's the same thing. Like when I run a half marathon or I'm going to do a running race, I'll run like two miles to warm up. Like it's a slow jog. It's not like high intensity, but you're, you're building your heart rate up to kind of, um, you know, be ready for, you know, you're about to go out and racing flat track, you know, the heart rate, if my max heart rate is like low one eighties, like sprinting a 5k, I get up into the mid one seventies racing flat track. Um, so it's, it's a hard workout to, to do this stuff. So getting that heart rate going is, uh, I think is key, but yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Just, we don't have a good answer for that one. Yeah. It's not really, yeah. I was say it's not really weird to do that. Cause I mean, clearly every professional sport, like, has guys that like get their heart rates up before you know whether again whether it's jump roping or whatnot so it's not really weird it's just that was my point being a, a fat guy like it's weird to me to like go and burn energy but i understand there's a, clearly a, a theory there and it, and it obviously works because i'm not getting paid to do any racing of any type so it uh it definitely works all right moving on another question rob uh it's kind of worded she even said kind of long-winded and i'm sure you've done it before but i'm clearly biased I'd love to know more about the media side of AFT. What are the riders looking for from the media? Uh, things like that. So media side from AFT, as far as photographers, video, things like that. Uh, I guess we'll just give some feedback on that, Rob. Any, any thoughts on your end? I know that's not really something that you specialize in, but um, yeah, it's definitely you know, media side. Yeah, it's definitely not my forte. I mean, I can say that um, I feel like it's very, very important whether AFT has their own or they bring people in or, you know, I know I see a lot of people with vests, you know, taking footage. Um, You know, my boy Thunder, he's on the the media side of things as far as uh, AFT. Another buddy of mine, um, uh, Lane's World is out there. Um, I know Mariah is doing her thing. I'm not sure she's been to too many AFT events, but uh, there's a bunch of guys. I mean, I think it's incredibly important now whether or not, um, you know, I don't know as far as like on the AFT side, like if you got to, if 
I'm just not, I'm just not giving you a good answer because I, I don't know that much about it. Like, I feel like, yeah, you need to get as much exposure as possible, but at the same time, you know, I do know that there's certain things like they just don't want everybody and their brother in the infield taking pictures, pretending to be a photographer or a videographer or whatever that is. So, um, but you know, all press is good press, you know, so I, I don't know, man, I'm going to have to defer that to you. Cause I know whoever's listening that does probably know about this is probably like, God, Rob's a fucking idiot. But uh, I'm I'm telling you guys right now, I don't yeah. know anything about that other than like I think it's important for what that's worth. So go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, nah, dude, exactly. Um, I'm pretty passionate about this topic because I feel it's one thing that AFT doesn't do very well. Um, I feel like after the races, for instance, at Missouri – it was like pulling teeth for me to find photos to post about the photo, the, the podium, like there should be photos available to the riders right after the race. Otherwise it's, it's kind of old news. Like we didn't really get photos from that event on like, cause we, we do get a website. It's called the dam or whatever we, and not even a lot of riders know about it. It's kind of like secret knowledge within the riders. Like I didn't even know it was like the riders didn't know about it. You know, I've, it's been around for a while, but there's a website, you know, AFT provides some photos, but like I said, they don't communicate that very well, I feel. And after Missouri, there wasn't really like a good supply of photos except for two or three days after the race. After that, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of old news. Like I feel like the riders, the more we can post video and photo, cause we don't get any video unless we hire our own video people or your boys with like, you know, whoever's taking video, we don't get a good supply of video from AFT to post. Um, you don't see a lot of great video content on American flat tracks page. It's very sporadic. And I know, you know, these jobs cost money and everybody's spread thin, but what some of these other series do like Moto America and on a larger scale, Formula One and MotoGP, there's so many videos that are out there um, that get shared as the races are happening. So I think there's more that could be done. It's just, um, you know, we have great talent. Like you mentioned, the people you did, like Thunder and Lane and Mariah and Ben you know, Lyle's wife, uh, was Melissa, Jalen, Jen yeah, Maul, well, yeah, can't Jen forget Maul Vander and, Cookies, um, Boo Boo. Um, yeah. Yeah, dude, there's, there's a bunch of good talented people, but it's just, um, it's very, it's tough. It's like pulling teeth to try and get people like I've tried to get video people in and, and photos. And I guess the process for me has been, they've been pretty good with, you know, with projects that I've done for my sponsors, but you know, it's just not, it's, I don't know. It's something needs to be looked at because we were missing a lot of, uh, open opportunities, especially with social media. Like, um, and like I said, the people working, they're doing all they can, but man, we just, we got to figure out a budget or something that it needs to be higher up on the priority for the series. Like I personally think, um, you know, and I, I do my own, you know, my, my, uh, Corey Texter racing page is what we kind of show content for the winter throwdown. And I don't need, you know, I just do everything on my race page. And our personal numbers for that weekend are insane. Yeah. Um, the people that tune in for that coverage. So uh, I have to get some numbers out there to some people because it's actually like a huge selling point for my sponsorships on our content video. So no, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a lot, a lot to talk about there, but I definitely think the riders need content sooner so we can get that out, but there just needs to be more content in general and especially video. Video is, 
video is key right now. I mean, there's so much, so many good videos in Moto and Supercross and MotoGP that that gets shared. And our sport is badass. Like if you watch like Dalton that crushes it with his videos, he's got Lane helping him. He posts a lot of good videos and those videos get a shit ton of views because it's cool, yeah. man. Sliding a twin or sliding a dirt bike is, is something people don't see a yep. lot of. Agreed. And we just need to get that content out there more. So yeah, good yeah. question. Uh, I'm not sure if that was exactly what you're looking for. <laughs> probably, but, damn. Um, definitely. You know, it's something I'm passionate about. And I definitely think we can, we can do better. And hopefully I didn't piss anybody off. That's not my intention, but honest fucking pod, you know? So I just, uh, I definitely think we can do better with that. I uh, got another question. Uh, this one's from Cole Davis. Cole Davis, right. man. Uh, dude's a legend. Uh, son of legendary Will Davis. Passionate about the sport. Has stayed involved and watches like most of the races. Listens to most of our podcasts, if not all of them. So Cole's a awesome guy. And he asked, have you ever heard of any talks to introduce betting on flat track sports betting? With how popular sports betting is getting with companies like Barstool, I'm sure it would be popular. Yeah. Thoughts on it from you, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be really, really, really cool. I mean, I'm not very good at betting myself. Like, the most I ever do is, is scratch-offs, and I most of the time lose at those. Uh, but uh, I do know lots of people that their straight-up everyday hustle is just sports betting. Um, and, God, I mean, I, I guess you could Google it if you're in front of a computer, but there's got to be, like, millions and millions of dollars in sports betting. Now, my biggest question on that is, because I don't know any better, and I don't know, but does, I don't know how to even ask this without making it sound like they're in on it, but like, say, Corey Texter, you bet on yourself to win. Like, do you, do you get, is that frowned upon? Like, if you go out there and you still put in the work and you win, but you're like, hey, man, I want to put 10,000 bucks on myself because I feel really good at this particular track. And you go out there and you turn that 10,000 bucks into 100 grand or whatever. Like, I, I don't know how that works. I think it's awesome. I think there's betting in just about every sport there is, whether it's legal or illegal. Um, so, I mean, I'm not against it, especially if it can help out the riders too. So, I mean, I don't know. Tell me how wrong I was. Cause I, I really don't know. These are two questions. I feel. No, that's a viable question, man. I'm not a big sports betting guy. I've done fantasy sports and I I've done really well with, with, with fantasy sports, but I think sports betting is it could grow the industry for sure it could you know create more well think about revenue i i guess i don't know well think about this you know think about and no offense to davis but think about the long shot like davis at charlotte last year somebody could have cleaned freaking house because you know like betting on jared Meese or briar by 100 you know, to one odds you know, honestly but jared or Br- jared odds. or briar you might have you know won yourself 50 bucks but betting on davis to win that event you know i mean hell they're gonna tell them what kind of payout it could have been so uh, anyway they mean yeah, and I don't know how how it would work on that because honestly, like production twins payout is sixteen hundred dollars or sixteen fifty to win, depending on what the payout is. People could probably, you know, Pete Rose that shit Man. or whatever, you know. And also, like, real uh, quick, let me just say this for those of you listeners that are into sports betting, leave us a comment and explain it to us too. Like, if you know, like, don't just we don't want to hear anybody's like back backwards you know well my uncle's brother's cousin sports bets know, like if you legit win or lose money in betting on sports let us know in the comments because i would love to know and learn yeah and i know in road racing too like i've talked with some road racers about i don't know if you've heard of heard this as well but they take out something called like an insurance policy where like yeah. 
Lloyd they to London. Kind of, they bet on themselves or something, right? Or yeah, yeah. Think, yeah. So I don't I know exactly Scott how Russell, that works. Like I've talked to some writers. I think Scott Russell made it big yeah. doing that. I'm not made. It, I mean, obviously he was the freaking man back in the day, but. Uh, I want to say I read somewhere about that to where uh, he, you know, he, he bet yeah. on himself kind of, and he took out an insurance policy. And I want to say that the name was cool. It was like Lloyd's of London or something like that. And I, I would have never thought about this. So you just brought it back up, but it's just, that pops back into a random memory. So yeah. And he, I'd like to learn about that too. I think it's bigger like overseas kind of, but I, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, you can bet on yourself. Like for me, Obviously, my betting odds in production twins now wouldn't be great because I just came off a championship. But my first year, you know, I've never never did much prior to that. A couple podiums in GNC one, but I didn't even podium the singles class the year prior. So my, you know, if I would have bet on myself, I probably would have made a good chunk of money. Um, you know, but obviously, if you know uh, a guy like Johnny Ray or uh, you know even Marquez or Eli Tomac, they're not going to have very high odds on something like that. Yeah, for sure. And maybe, maybe um, Cole, if you're listening, which I'm sure you do and you are listening. uh, And if you haven't think, cause you brought the topic up, you know, if you have some experience on other sports and how it could translate, give us, give us a couple examples in the comments. Cause I'm, give us a business plan. I want to make some money. Let me make some money off Corey and all these other guys. We're always interested in making a buck, man. Oh, so yeah, yeah hit us 20 up. Twenty bucks is twenty bucks. Give us a biz plan. <laughs> All right. Do we do we have any more? <laughs> oh boy, we got one more, man. Cool. And this is from our buddy Ian Riley. He's another Ooh. listener. Ian Riley from the Fredericktown Yamaha Barber Fritch and Classic. Triumph and Triumph. Uh, or they were. Yeah, I think they are Triumph. Triumph. Maybe well. they're not Triumph anymore, but they were Triumph. I think they're Triumph as they're well. They're awesome. Um, Back when I was a kid, the Mini Olympics held in Florida in November, they had racers compete in four different events over the week. Short track, TT, motocross, and soupy cross. With the number of AFT guys riding moto for training purposes, would either of the two elite promoters on the podcast, thanks, dude, uh, would we consider promoting a crossover event? Uh, Dude, I mean, I wonder if he was – I think we kind of talked about this before and Corey, i'm gonna tell you right now dude i think that you and i should really sit down and come up with a business plan on this because the thing is we would have to get like we'd have to put in the effort to get like the top dudes and i'm not saying eli tomax can come out and put on some dirt track tires or supermoto tires or whatever but i gotta think like people that have tried it like barsha and villapoto and some of these other guys that actually didn't did the lawrences go to blackmore ranch too i don't remember but long story short man i think it's got great potential if we did a crossover event because you know, I think the most impressive crossover racer in history, besides Nikki, because he did Supermoto, I'm sorry, yeah, he did Supermoto, Flat Track, and Road Race, obviously, was prior to him was that Jean-Michel Bale. He won, like, a World Championship Road Race Championship and Supercross. I mean, the thing is now, you don't see that anymore because everybody's so specialized in what they're doing. I mean, it's like the Flat Trackers back in the day, had such an easier time translating over to the road race because it wasn't, it wasn't road racing back then. No offense guys. It wasn't, this wasn't as, wasn't what it is now. Like guys have elevated and it's the same for supercross. Like I know this is a stupid thing to say, but if I could jump back in time to the seventies and race pro supercross, oh boy, I could probably do it. 
don't know, man. Like the like... speed. I watch old. I, dude, I know it's 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 just um that's a high um exaggeration. But what I'm saying is the guys in Supercross from the you know early days, uh, w- what the guys are doing now, it is next level shit. I mean, oh yeah they weren't even jumping all the jumps in some of the supercross races I see from 40 years ago. So, and now guys are literally scrubbing every jump and the level, and I, I get the equipment's better too. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a tool right no, now. No, but, but you got to remember too. It's just everybody. Even back in the seventies. Everything's special. It is. But even back in the seventies or, or eight, we'll use eighties. Cause this guy know this example. Like you got to think, man, Jeff Ward was riding the living shit fuck out of these bikes. So, like, yeah, so is Eli Tomac, but what I'm saying is, you know, they were getting, just like Eli Tomac gets every ounce of that out of that bike today, Jeff Ward and those guys got back out of the 70s. They just didn't have the tools, like you were just saying, I think. They didn't have the tools, you know, they they beat the shit out of what they had. Just like, another example is, is Dave Aldana, like at Peoria, everybody's like, oh, you know, you know, they jump way farther, but look at what he, the fuck he was jumping with four inches of suspension travel, too. So, all the old guys back in the day, they can, they can, you know, pat me on the back. Cause I'm giving the old dudes credit on this one, man. They were, they were some tough fuckers back then. Cause I think Al Dana's got pictures of him on a Norton jumping every bit as high as Jake Johnson. And, you know, and, but except for he's landing. I don't, not that. Far. Okay. I'm I mean, exaggerating, he, he but, it, but he's jumping a lot right, farther. Okay, okay. So to put it this way, he's jumping a lot farther on his bike. That would be vintage. Now that maybe you would even jump. I don't know if you'd be thrilled with jumping a Norton as, and land in that thing bro i don't like jumping anything <laughs> i'm not a big jumper as it is so i'm not <laughs> uh yeah i don't know i mean yeah maybe i'm being because we get the young guys get so much hate maybe i'm just <laughs> giving it back but no i mean yeah everybody everything's so specialized now that i don't even know so like back to the question like if we did a if we did a deal like that i don't even know if any moto guys would show up like the moto guys would win the moto races and the supercross and the flat track guys, we would whoop their asses on the short track. And I don't think they could, you know, touch our best TT guys. See, I would, know, I would, I wouldn't do it that way, man. I would have one track that had like a badass flat track, couple corners. Then I'd have like some jumps thrown in somehow. And then it had to be a location that you could have like road course part too. Cause you can't just, you know, you can't just, uh, you know, you can't cater to just say the dirt track guys, you know, just like, in my opinion, part of the reason AMA Supermoto failed a little bit is because they started tailoring it to just Supercross. And hell, if Nicky Hayden was like, nah, fuck that, I ain't, you know, he almost got hurt at X Games that year because the, it was just such a gnarly track that, you know. Stewart did get hurt. He tore his, I yeah, think he tore what, his ACL well, I know, or but, uh, James And, and that that's the year. thing. Like, it was just such a gnarly, like, yeah, it was amazingly cool watching these Supercross guys jump triples. But at the same time, you know, they didn't have their concrete section didn't cater to Ben Bosterman Hayden because it was just like a little go-kart track part. Let's put the guys out on like a real road course on a 450 and watch Hayden go around them smoking the tire on the outside while the Supercross guys are hugging the inside with their foot out. You know what I'm saying? Like there's there's to make it fair and like to level the playing field, Rob, I think you'd have to do something like equal TTR 125s. Or something like that. No, like you got to do four, the speed 450s for sure. Got to do four fifties. Well, if you take the risk down, I think more guys would be willing to do it. Obviously, purse money comes like what's the purse? But 
Yeah, it'd be cool. I always wanted to do, I know this is not something you'd sign up for, but all these, you know, fitness and all these different sports, everybody thinks they have the fittest athletes, moto and super. Oh man. No, I think flat track. I always thought it'd be cool to, to do a, uh, like a, like a discipline triathlon type thing. Like take, take five guys from each sport or even three and let's do, you know, a 60 mile bike ride, a eight mile run and maybe like do 20 laps on a grass TT and like calculate all the times, like calculate, you know, throw a something riding based in there, but also throw some fitness stuff in and do something like that. I've always thought that'd be, that'd be kind of cool to see where everybody's fitness stacks yeah. up to our, you know, our top guys versus the supercross and road racing. I think, I think uh, if you get a good comparison with yeah. that anyway, I, like just say like using JD beach, an example, cause he, he's pretty hardcore at the training, just like you are. And I think he would tell you like, yeah, man, uh, we're going pretty damn hard. Like road racers do now. I don't know what supercross guys do. You know, they're, they might be on another level or it might be the same. I'm not sure. You know, I don't want to speculate cause clearly looking at me, I'm not like, you know, following everybody's, uh, fitness plans too much but um but i think like in our sport you know i would put you briar you know um jd jared obviously you know i think jared wasn't he like top 20 in the country or something at rowing or some crazy shit like at one time like i think something like that yeah, i'm sure I mean, he knows off the top of his head he's probably gonna listen to be like you fucker i was 12th or some shit but long story short man i think it was top five our, our elite thing. guys yeah. are just in my opinion and again I don't know any better, so this is an opinion. But I would say they're right up there. I, I, I don't, I don't think there's the Supercross guys are riding a bicycle any farther or faster than than JD Beach or, or Jake Gagne. You know, I just don't know. But I'm going to assume that it's all pretty. I think there's more down the down the list. There's more fit guys in oh, Supercross, sure. but I think the top guys in flat track, moto, and road I'd racing. Say top five. I think if you took like the t- the top five from each there'd be a pretty strong yeah, comparison for sure. there. And it would be interesting to, uh, to see where everybody, and even like hair scramble <laughs> well, racing, like some of those guys are not, well, well yeah, Ryan Sipes in great shape too, but like, let's, let's be honest, you know, like, and I love him to death. We know we love him, but Danny S like ain't on our list of the guys that we're going to send to the top five against the, t- <laughs> the top five supercross guys, you know, <laughs> if we're doing a, a beer, drinking yeah, beer contest, drinking. we, we got quite yeah. a few guys. I don't think they could touch. No, no, no. If we were doing like a Larry enticer, you know, uh, let's just send it. I think flat track guys would be pretty far up there, but, uh, Oh dude, they would, I mean, most guys get pretty crazy too. You know, like I I think Barsha parties, I know like Millsaps and Kevin Windham and those guys, of course this is back in the day, but even Pastrana, can you imagine like Pastrana party and dude, you couldn't hang man. You'd be going to the hospital. Well, now, but I mean, I'm not, I'll, I wouldn't be picked for the beer drinking team. That's <laughs> for to be like, sure. all right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to get drunk and we're going to try double backflips in the foam pit and then out of the foam pit. And then they're like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we, we strayed quite a bit from that, but yeah, like we, like we said with the sports bet, like we said with the sports betting, me and Rob are always open to making a buck. So good questions yeah, though. Uh, really good questions today. Like this whole crossover, yeah. uh, definitely, definitely, uh, hit us up on the, some more ideas on that. Anybody listening to any of these questions, any, any more feedback or anything else, definitely, definitely open to it. So, uh, let's move on to the next one. Best for crowd attendance races that have a lot of classes for ages and skill 
or just a few classes for mainly pros? What's the best for crowd attendance? Well, that goes back to promotions. I mean, and it all depends. Like if, if you're an amateur promoter and let's just be real here, if you're an amateur promoter, you're relying on that back gate. Like, so you want to have as a lot of classes in my opinion to get, you know, um, you know, mom and grandpa and everybody through the gate. But if you're, if, but that's if you're promoting an amateur event, if you're promoting a pro event, the last thing you guys want to do when they're coming to see Jared Meese, Briar Bauman battle is, is waiting through 40 other classes, so to speak. So, that's kind of a, a weird question in the sense to where well, there's uh, two ways to be successful as a promoter at the amateur level, like having a lot of entries or having a lot of fans and me and me kind of, we, we sort of go back and forth on this a lot. Like he obviously promotes Lima and it's a pro based event where he's bringing in, you know, and, and you have, you can't really, you can't run a schedule or market to do both very successfully. Like if you have a lot of entries like you said, nobody wants to sit through all the heats, all the semis, all the classes, but vice versa. If you, you're having a lot of people come out and sit in the grandstands, you don't get all the riders. So if I was doing uh, just based on crowd attendance, then it would be, it would be just a few classes. Like I would have probably two pro classes, a Hooligan class, and maybe like a futures class or something. I'd have like a, a big amateur class. Like I'd only have four or five classes, run an efficient show, do a, like a badass dash for cash, maybe like a Stasic race on the front straightaway, create more of a show. Um, whereas yep. if you're doing an amateur national, you want to, you know, give those guys, give all the riders, you know, giveaways, hype them up, good awards, um, try and give them a good track. You know, there's, there's two ways to do it, but as far as crowd attendance, the, uh, the few class method is, uh, is I think way more efficient. So yeah, uh, yeah, agreed, hundred percent. How many of the current? This goes, but I'm sorry, I'm bouncing around a little bit. I'm just reading them as I got it. But how many of the current sponsored rides are the riders paid a salary? So how many paid salary guys are there in AFT? Uh, I mean, I don't know the exact number, but I would say there's probably. Gosh, you know, I, I. So when you're talking about paid sponsors, are you talking about like, like, hey, you got all your bikes lined up? you got everything to go. You just show up and I'm paying you to ride. Or there's like some guys that like say Jerry will give somebody like X amount of dollars to help them get to the race. Is that considered a salary? Or is that just like, I would say no, are you talking about that goes a lot of those guys, they have to put back into their program. Like, you know, if they get money, okay. Okay. So they go. Their own pro, you know. All right. So on uh, super twins, I'm just looking real quick. I'm not going to give out names. I'm going to say there's one, two, three, four, five. I'm going to say there's, six that I would say have a salary, which means that they show up and whether they get first place or last place, they're getting paid per race. Is that, is that fair to say? Like the, I'm going to say eight. Okay. So in production twins, I'm going to say maybe two. Does it, well, let me see. Um, yeah, I'm going to say between two and three on production. And then I'm going to say production, there's probably, there's probably three. So we're close. May, maybe a fourth. Yeah. And then, uh, and then parts unlimited singles. I'm gonna say, uh, again, maybe eight, maybe six to eight. I'm gonna say six on singles. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just I looking think the at the biggest, app here. I think the biggest difference is in the singles. Maybe. Well, I know that's a lie. Like the guys that are making really good money in super twins, they're making way more money than like 
the guys at the bottom are. I mean, that oh, it's kind of sure. like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um, you go back to the Carmichaels and the Stewarts, man, they were, they were fucking loaded. Like they were flying private jets. Stewart had like, I, I always wondered how Stewart made as much money as he did. He literally had a fleet. Dude, he's got Bentley. like three Lambos. That's what I mean. And then you have guys, the guy that's getting seventh is, you know, he probably has a $200,000 house and Stewart literally is, he literally was living like he was Jay-Z. Like, I'm like, holy fuck, dude. How's this guy? Like, I get it. You're making good money, but that's like. <laughs> well, you think about it. They make more off of just, say, Scott Goggles or 100%. They pro- Some of them guys are making like 100 grand just to put 100% on their helmet. You know what I mean? Like yeah, their, it's their just it's, it's heavy at the top, though, is what I'm saying. And even For sure. Oh, even yeah, absolutely. Supercross, yeah. Like, you look at the privateers that get into the Supercross mains, like um, – uh, like Rod Bell or, or uh, Logan Carnell, you know, it, it, they're not making a fraction of what like Tomac is, but no, not it's just the way it goes. It's just the way it goes. But no, there, there's actually yeah. some, there's a good chunk of guys that are getting salary. Um, granted the salary yeah. isn't, isn't great. Um, well, they I might think- be getting a salary, but also have a day job. I mean, let's be real. Like if uh, put it this way, so say uh, a low end sponsor is giving you, Hey, here's a, here's, I'm paying you a salary of a thousand dollars per race. Well, that sounds cool and all when you're in the height of the race season, but what about at Daytona? Well, you got to make that thousand dollars last like three months. <laughs> so yeah. it's not like, you know, it's not like, you know, maybe say Jared Meese, he's get, maybe he gets a check at the beginning of the year. So he's, he's gravy for those first four months or whatever, but I'm sure he gets performance bonuses, which Again, that, could that, is that counted as salary too, or is that just bonus? So no, I I think bonus contingencies. It, I don't think that counts as a salary. But who the hell knows? We're making our own rules with this question, so it could be. I guess but. <laughs> that's true. I think we're pretty close though, because we're both like w- w- a couple spots off. But the thing is, though, you can make money racing dirt bikes right now. You can make money racing oh, flat shit, track. Absolutely. It's just uh, don't rely on the AFT purse. Like it's you know what is it sixteen hundred bucks to win in production twins like. Yeah. You know, I can't yeah. live off of that, but you got to do the work. Like you can make, you can make more money yep. doing this. You just gotta, you gotta In, stop playing video games so much and fucking yeah. do the work. Well, you know, so like, I'll use Johnny Lewis as an example on this perfect example, you know, um, just one, like nobody really heard too much about just one and Johnny went out there and hustled, got a brand and a whole sponsorship. And, and I just saw the other day where he's head to toe and, and just one. Now I don't know if they're paying him a salary or, Hey, here's a shitload of product or take some product and sell it. But you know, that's a, that's a good example of, of hustling because that's yeah. a brand that nobody really used or thought about. And he went out there and incorporated them and brought them into the sport. So, you know, yeah, good yeah. on Johnny for that. Yeah. So, for next sure. question. He does a good job of that. Um, how do rain day, how do rain outs um, affect promotion? You know, does the, the promoter pay a different amount for the extra track day or days? Um, man, I guess it just depends on what your deal is with that track, but um, I know like AMA insurance, if you get on that, if you get on the track for practice, you don't get your insurance money back. So you basically like an amateur race, if you practice and you don't race, you pretty much lose your, it's like, it's like close to a thousand dollars. to like sanction charter, uh, do insurance for an AMA race. So you pretty much lose that once you get on the track from what I understand, but there are like insurance policies. Like I think AMA has like a rain insurance policy where you're, you get yeah, like yep. half off if it's the next day or, or I don't know exactly how it works, man. I, uh, I've been thankful with weather at the throwdown. Like it's been cold, but we've, we've been good with, with weather in terms of the R word, but, um, 
Yeah, it's a, I don't, I don't really know exactly. I mean, it's rains. It, nobody wins in a rain out. I know that. I mean, it's not like no, anybody and, and, wants a rain out. So, um, well, and, and that's yeah. the thing, man, it's, it's got to the point now from a, from a personal perspective and I look at the forecast and, and this goes to AFT and everybody, man. And I, and I had this conversation before, you know, the, technology we have now we know if it says it's going to be 80 percent chance of rain this isn't like 1992 or 2000 even we pretty much know it's going to be it's going to rain so you just kind of kind of get judge and see like all right is it going to be just a morning shower to where it's going to help the track or is this one of the ones that's going to set in all day long you know you got to kind of work with your facility like greenville is a perfect example they're so good back and forth with me like yeah we have a contract but it's really fluid because there's been a time when we got rained out on friday and Lima actually got rained out on Saturday, and we brought every freaking body back to Greenville. And the track, you know, we didn't have any lock on the track, but they felt bad and said, look, you know, we can move some of our horse people around, and we'll get you guys on the track because you already missed one day. And that says a lot, too, you know. So if you're a promoter, work with your track and talk to them and say, look, you know, there's weather coming in. What are my options? And some tracks will say, look, sorry, I got something else planned. Again, using Greenville's example, one day we had to move our race and they had a uh, like a food truck rally there. And so we ended up having to pit on the infield, but it worked out, you know, like you. So long story short, if you're a promoter, work with the facility, work with the track and let them know like there's rain coming, this and that. And then if it is an insurance deal, call your insurance company up and say, look, you know, we might have to move this event. Like, what can you do? You know, just to sit there. It, not everything is a hard drawn line. That's what I'm trying to say. And, and if you treat them with respect, you're nice to them, they'll, they'll, for the most part, they'll work with you. Because I have encountered my fair share of rainouts, whether it's go-karts or what. Because, you know, on clay tracks, you know as well as I do that, that a lot of rain can, can ruin the race. Cushions, you know, I'm a little more willing to sit there and see if it'll blow past. Because, you know, a lot of times water doesn't do anything but make the track better for cushions. So There you go. Quick follow-up. We'll make this one quick. What about tarps for covering the track? when it looks like it's going to rain like for instance baseball fields um they cover it they cover uh, the field with a tarp uh yeah i don't know if y'all ever seen a baseball game when those tarps come out there's a fucking squad of 50 people that quick covers the field uh puts the cover back on like i know what a tarp like costs for just to, for us to put the bikes on and i'm sure like it's just flat track races it goes back to the multiple grader thing having two graders at yeah. a flat track race to make 1500 bucks um it's just not you know financially financially feasible to have have a tarp and transport it like you know what i mean so it's it's a great thought well, and hell i've i've thought of it it's like if everybody at callahan if it was gonna rain if we all grabbed our our mats and just covered the track quick um or we could just all lay on the track and just let the rain hit us and then when we get off the track would be dry but it's uh well you gotta think too it's a good idea but it's not feasible it is but then also think about this not what maybe 95 percent of the tracks we run at have some sort of banking to them so what that's telling me is you know you're not gonna be able to put a tarp completely up against the fence to seal the rain out so there's gonna be water's gonna still run underneath it baseball fields are flat so you got that dirt tracks we run damn near on the bottom on the infield the grass or yeah yeah. so it's an excellent idea, but you'd have to, and, and every corner is a little bit different. So if you're talking about some big massive with an arc, then, you know, a tarp for Charlotte is not going to work for Springfield. And I mean, how the hell would you tarp a mile? But we'll just I'll use a short up, track uh, for an example. 
I'll hit up my dude, Brady Singer. He's a pitcher for the Royals, a buddy of mine, and see if he can snag the tarp um, that they use and <laughs> throw it in my van and <laughs> dial it in. Oh, but, God, dude. It'd probably take a semi-truck just for one tarp, if you think about it. I can't imagine. I'll have to ask him, actually. That's a good question. I'll have to see. He he might not even know, but I'll, and I'll ask him. That's why they have 50 people doing the tarps, because they're so freaking heavy, too. It ain't like yeah. you're just picking up some plastic saran wrap i mean you're talking about a thick dude my mission you know, foods good. thing at the throwdown like the big arc the arch that you the riders pulled off under at the thing i couldn't yeah. pick that yep. up by myself like granted i'm not like i'm not uh you know who's a you're big, not very I'm strong not, i'm you're not travis you're kind of smith weak. i'm not travis smith but like i'm a, <laughs> i'm not like a pussy like i like couldn't pick it up it was probably i bet it was 500 pounds like it took like two of us to like roll it out of my van um I can't imagine that was just a little mission foods display. Like I can't imagine what, what something like that would, uh, would weigh. But anyway, on to the next one, how important is it for riders to police their social media content for possibly embarrassing posts? Um, basically like how important is it for riders to watch what they post in our sport on social media? I mean, I'll go first. It's, it's important. I get, I mean, it's, you don't want to be a jackass, but like, I'm me, like for me at my point in my career, like I don't sugarcoat things to please sponsors, but I also, I have common sense. So I try not to touch politics too much. Um, I don't touch about, I don't touch on, um, just things that are religion. Like, cause like for me, like I'm more focused on what I have going, like, granted I'm, I'm into politics, like, but I've, I'm more narrow, narrow focused on big Biden guys, <laughs> not a Biden guy. I, I will say that <laughs> big Biden guy over here. That, those gas prices are sick. Um, no more mean tweets though, but no, I, I try to, um, I try not to touch upon that stuff too much. Like I kind of have focus on what I'm doing and, but yeah, I mean, honestly, our guys, like our riders, we all suck. Like most of the guys suck in social media. Like it's boring. Like the guys aren't posting when they post. It's like a long drawn out winded race report. I went to turn one in the heat race, made a couple passes, got third. The track was fun. Went out for the main, got a decent start from the back row, ran third, slipped to fourth, missed the setup, and then got another pass and got third. Like it's a drawn out, post there's no personality you already put me to sleep there's and it's every it's all these kids and they then they tag all their sponsors like they like tag one enter tag one enter like they just tag all their sponsors like that's that's that feels like that's their job it's like dude it's it's i didn't even read that like it's boring like show some personality keep it short we don't need to hear like a step-by-step race report um, so I'm going off, like I'm going off topic a bit, but our riders can do, we can have so much more personality. It's like moto, like the moto guys are crushing it with the vlogs. Like Christian Craig has a vlog, uh, Justin Barsha, Alex Martin, millions of people are watching these vlogs Dude. in moto and it's creating more personality to do. It's Look, uh, perfect example. And I thought he did an amazing job. You know, everybody knows who Barsha is. Everybody after the race, he was getting so booed on the grandstands. <laughs> And he straight up said, look, guys, this is me. This is who I am. Like, y'all named me Bam Bam Barsha. Like, don't get mad at me now after I Bam Bammed on one of your loved riders, which, you know, it was a rough takeout on Malcolm. But it was you a know, shitty I, move. I love Barsha. Yeah. That move was like, that move, I was like, damn, that's that was fucked. But, yeah, but then, but like, he told his podium speech, I was, 
yeah his podium speech i started laughing i'm like bro that's barsha like yeah like thankfully and nobody it, got hurt but it's like well and the thing is like i'm i'm maybe i'm not the right person to ask this question but like i'm i'm very authentic i'm genuine like you know who the fuck i am like or how i'm going to react like i'm not going to go up on the podium and be like oh f jb you know but at the same time like if i'm on my social media or i'm arguing with somebody else imagine that like i'm gonna make my opinion known like that's just how i well, am there's I'm a fine line between you as a person and like somebody with like corporate sponsors like yamaha or indian motorcycle or mission foods like you want to have an opinion like i voice my opinions on everything but i'm also not over the top um it's just common sense like use common sense yeah. Show show your personality, like the way these guys are building their brand, like the Jet Lawrences. People are getting annoyed with the like the Lawrence hype, but dude, they're crushing it. They're building their brand. Like everybody knows, people know who Jet Lawrence is. They know who the Deegan family is, and they don't know shit about anything else. Like more people know who the Deegan Hayden Deegan is than they know who Eli Tomac is. That's just a fact, and it's because they crush they crush what they do. So you want to have common sense. Um, but man, I, I would rather have a personality than, and post like shit that matters. Like, like I post stuff on mine and sometimes people get triggered. It's like, fuck, sorry. I mean, I don't want to tell you, like, don't read it, I guess. But you know, if you want boring shit, then, you know, do that, but trying to, trying to give some insight, but yeah, common sense is, uh, it's a lost tool in today's society. And if you fuck up, if you say something wrong, like, admit it like don't deflect the blame like you know barsha took the blame like he's you know you know i race dirt bikes and this is what we do and you know don't i was don't apologize. Third place in championship <laughs> yeah don't apologize you know for doing what you feel is right um i will say that i only have a couple more rob um uh, how do I, I really want both of your perspective on the promotion side another promotion question how a company like failed manages entire series and AFT still uses individual individual promoters. One of the last series to do so in the world. Where is the disconnect? Um, that is an interesting question. You know, in AFT, there really aren't a lot of individual promoters anymore. I would say the Meese family does Springfield and Lima. Steve, De- oh sorry, Steve DiLorenzi does Sacramento Mile, and then you have the Peoria Motorcycle Club that does Peoria. I think everything else is AFT events, Rob. Like I, um, I think they've taken over more and more every year, but I know for a fact, they're not going to wrangle Lima and Springfield from Jared. You know, that's, it's a money-making money-making venues for him. And can you imagine if the series didn't go to Lima and Springfield, like it would, it would not be good at all. So those, those events are going to be around for a long time and the Mies family is going to promote them and keep crushing it. But yeah, I don't know. I guess that is a unique aspect of the sport. I don't have a great answer. Um, yeah, I don't either. I mean, I, I know yeah, everything uh-huh. is a little bit different. It's just like, you know, monster trucks, they, they promote their own. But then if you turn over to like, uh, say NASCAR, you know, NASCAR promotes a lot of their own events. They own their own tracks, but then there's also other tracks that NASCAR doesn't own. So I think it's a give and take. I don't know how super, Supercross does it just like that. I mean, maybe because they're just their one big entertainment entity, but even, you know, MotoGP, their races are promoted by, you know, the tracks themselves or f- the facilities, you know, or multiple promoters. Um, so I don't know if we can really use the Supercross example. I mean, it'd be, it'd be nice to, but 
Um, at this current stage and age stage in the game, I would just be happy with uh, you know to improve and tidy up a few little things. I don't care who's promoting it. I want everybody to, that's promoting it to make money. I mean, hell, I would love for AFT to be like, hey, we had a we had a banner year this year. We actually made money or or whatever, you know. And and I don't know if they're making money or losing money or what. Not my business, but um, I feel like for know, me, it would it be really hard to, to promote like to be in Jared's shoes and Nicole or Steve DiLorenzi, like to be to promote a race that's part of another series. I'm sure there's some conflict of interest things there a little bit, like, you know, buying the live, like promoting for the the TV package or the Facebook package or promoting to sell tickets. Like Jared obviously wants people in the grandstands AFT, you know, they want to sell, they want to sell whatever subscriptions on the live, whatever the Facebook live. So I would have a hard time a little bit. I'm sure it, could maybe be worked out, but a little bit of conflict of interest there on, on that aspect. People probably don't think about that so much, but I do. <laughs> no, um, I do. I do as well. As a promoter, well. you know, I want people to, I don't want them sharing the live plus package within a five hour radius of Lima. I want people to come to the event. So yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's something we could probably again, have a full pod on. Maybe we'll do like a YouTube someday, Rob, we'll sit down and, um, get people to subscribe and we'll share some thoughts and ideas on promoting races. I mean, we're not experts, but, um, you know, we've, we've done it once or twice. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I think that's about it, man, I, that I've gotten, I've got a couple other ones, but, um, yeah, can't I mean, do it forever, people, but. I know. And, and for those of you that didn't get your question answered, it wasn't anything personal. We just kind of blew through the ones that we knew we could make in a, in a time frame. And, and yeah, there was some, some silly ones that we were just like, man, whatever, like, we're not going to answer that. But, um, if you didn't get your question answered, don't don't feel bad. Don't get butt hurt. I mean, you can you can go and comment on Facebook, and I'll I'll yell back and forth at you. Obviously, I'll argue with you, but uh, it wasn't anything pop, uh, personal. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was uh, it was funny. I was trying to get a hold of you the one day, and I couldn't get a hold of you for whatever. You, obviously, you're a busy guy, but um, then I get on Facebook, and you're having like a full on twenty comment argument it was like something with abortion or something. I'm like, what is oh, it doing? Yeah. this so, is not your, this is not your argument. My guy, like call me back. Dude, Hold on. Jesus. No, I wasn't arguing for or against it. I was just arguing at the blatant hypocrisy of it. You know, like the whole, like it's, it's now all of a sudden it's my body, my choice, which, you know, I firmly believe like you do whatever you want, inject whatever you want in your body. You can poop out a kid if you want to, if you don't want to poop out a kid. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not in love with abortion, but I'm also not in love with telling people what the fuck to do with their own bodies. But my whole point was I was making fun of uh, so many people that are so hardcore on one thing. It's like, guys, not even two weeks ago, it was a completely different scenario. And then, of course, they come in with their other variables. I'm like, well, hold on. You can't have it both ways. Like, it, you either get it one way or the other way. Otherwise, you're a hypocrite. And I've been hypocritical about things before. I'm not too proud to admit that. The thing but, is, well, though, you're never going to tell anybody no, otherwise yeah. like they're never going to leave the <laughs> argument and be like you know that random stranger was right you really shed yeah, some light on what i like you <laughs> yeah. never nobody wins that argument nobody's like oh yeah that perspective is really enlightening thank you for that it's like yeah yeah <laughs> so, anyway no, but, uh, no i was just i was bored ready to argue is all that was yeah i saw that and you wouldn't call me back i'm like this motherfucker is i was busy arguing busy. on facebook i don't even know who they were it's some random person i'm like come on so um yeah man is a is a good one there's a lot of good questions there obviously i'm i'm kind of an open book man anybody that reaches out if i see it 
you know, and I, I got some time. I usually try to answer, give some insight. I'm all about helping the sport. I really am. Like when it comes to, you know, rider advice, and it's got to be a good question. Like I get stupid questions sometimes. And it's just like, you know, it's, I, it's got to be a viable specific question. And if I can help somebody out, definitely. Um, fuck. I get yeah. You want to help yourself out, but you don't want to waste your time because your time is valuable. My time's valuable. I mean, sometimes I'm just like, if I'm just sitting around the phone or taking a dump or whatever, you know, I'll definitely engage in an argument. But, uh, like the other day I told you too, the same thing. You were, you were getting fired up and I could see you getting fired up. And I was like, Hey man, just to let you know, this is the situation going on. And you're like, yeah, well, I might have to go look at some other stuff. Cause you know, I could already see like, there's, there's Corey doesn't have too many hot buttons, but that one was a Corey hot button push. And I was like, I was just like, oh man, you know, you're going to get into the Robbie Bobby zone of just endless argument. I know. I, I sat there and I was like, you know what? This is a bad narrative to have in this sport. I hate like people that it's like the poor me mentality, laziness, and anybody can make sacrifices to, to do what they want. Like if you want to be a pro rider, you know, the guys that, you know, I talked to, yeah, I would have did it, but I had a real job and I had to do it. It's like, dude, sorry, but you don't have to have a real job. Like, uh, look up the story of Elon Musk, man. It's crazy. Like dude bought an office, lived on a couch in the office and worked 18 hours a day. Like you can make any sacrifice needed to, to do like, at least chase what you're after. You might not accomplish it, but the regret of not trying is sometimes it's always, I think way worse than trying it and failing. At least, you know, yeah. that you, you put miss the hundred shots you don't take. Yeah. There you 100% go. Of the shots um, you don't take, you're going to miss. Yeah, that's true. And, um, very motivational, man. But, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, it is, it is true. Like it's so easy. It, it's true. It is true. And just, yeah, that's like, for me at the end of the day, you know, I'm always happy if I give something max effort, like if I'm going out there and I'm putting in the effort, you know, win or lose, I can leave that race or, you know, walk away and be like, man, that was all I had. There's no, no regret. And that's like the biggest thing. It's, it's the poor me thing. It's these riders that, oh, you know, we don't have the money to go, but they're wasting time on TikTok all day or playing video games, drinking Mountain Dews. Like, I can't tell you the amount of like young kids I see at the track walking around drinking Mountain Dews and eating Cheetos. But those same kids want to be pro riders someday. It's like, dude, you got it. You got it. It's, it's crazy. It's just crazy. Like, um, guys want it, but they don't quote unquote want it. And that yeah, the, the lack of hustle, fight. the lack of hustle with a lot of these kids is, uh, can be frustrating, but anyway, that's my text rant for the, for the pod, but I want to shout out the sponsors once again, mission foods, bell power sports, Yamaha motorsports and Yamaha racing, Indian motorcycle, moto America. Actually we'll drop, we'll drop the moto America. I'm actually going to VIR Rob. I, I hit you up about it, but I'm going to work in race control. I'm going to be the rider rep in race control at VIR um, stoked to be in that paddock and work for Moto America and hopefully add some value to their amazing team. And yeah, it's a one-time thing for right now, but just uh, getting my feet wet. I'm a, obviously a big Moto America fan. I've, I watch all pretty much all the races, everything I can follow the coverage, know a lot of the riders friendships with a lot of the people, um, the racers, the, you know, the, uh, the staff, Chuck and Wayne and, so many people, Paul Carruthers. So yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be cool. I'm, I've been doing a lot of, I don't, I don't put my feet into something without jumping in. So I've been watching a lot of footage and, and uh rule book and I'm, I'll, I'll be prepared and yeah, it should be cool, Rob. I'm excited. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you, man. I think it's a, it's a, just nothing else. It's a cool opportunity. I mean, because not only will you get to go and see some badass racing, but you'll be involved in the process. So that's, uh, I, I mean, I'm on a small scale. I'm pretty jealous because I'd love to do something like that. I mean, um, but I think uh, they picked a definitely good guy for uh, for that. So uh, yeah, you can be my you, plus I'm, one. You can just sit behind yeah. me, like the, the <laughs> yeah. Pam Pam situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not sure uh, they'll be like, hey, uh, can you can you get these uh, this guy out of here, please? Can you delete your no, Weira forum account, please? Like we Definitely don't need you on the Weira forums. <laughs> uh, now nah, we love Moto America and we're uh, stoked for what they do with our podcast and a uh, big fan. So it, it, when we, they hit me up about being a, a supporter of the podcast, I'm like, absolutely. I, uh, that'd be awesome. So Dunlop, Dunlop motorcycle tires, Jerry Stinchfield, roof systems of Dallas, Texas and Manscaped. We're stoked on Manscaped guys. Make sure you so use stoked. the code tank slap 20, go on, buy some shit, Tank Slap 20, Manscape yourself. This isn't a 90s hustler magazine anymore, like 2022. Self-grooming for men and women exist. And uh, I know a lot of females that use the Manscape. So uh, it's a uh, it's 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 like high-tech shit. So look it up. Tank Slap 20 is the code. And uh that's a wrap, man. Uh we're supposed to be headed to uh the RVA. It's not looking good. I, I thought they were supposed to tell us by noon, maybe if they were gonna pull it. But um, have you heard anything, Rob, or no? I I haven't heard anything. Now I'm now you got me. Well, it's it's not noon here. I mean, I know it's noon where you are, but uh, I'm gonna text Mike anyway just to see because it's such a hard decision. Because I mean, like we were talking about the rain stuff, and I mean they've got a lot of effort and stuff put into this, so it's not such an easy thing to be like, all right, we're just gonna move the event to another weekend because there's not a lot of weekends available. Number one, but um, you know, you got to make sure that track can can host it on another weekend. They might have a go kart race or something, so. I know he's going to make a, a good, hard decision, and um, you know we're we're going regardless. I just got the word from uh, Daddy Mike Turner that uh, that we're we're in. So if they're having an event, we're we're going to it. So um, yeah, we'll, I'll be uh, there as well. So hopefully, seeing you. Yeah, hopefully it stays away. And if it rains, we'll uh, I don't know. We'll hang out, find something fun yep, to do. Maybe sure. I'll go whoop your ass in some go karts or something. But I'm done with go karts. Dalton kicked my ass last week at go karts in Birmingham, and uh, and I think my and until they start carrying sacks of sand to make the weight even, it, it's bullshit. So I'm over it. We could um, convince the go kart track to let us carry tennis balls in the carts and just throw them at each other while we're karting. And if you if you get hit like in a certain spot, you're like like Mario Kart. If you get hit with a shell, <laughs> you're out. That'd be actually really fun. I'm in. That'd be that really would be fun. fun. Yeah, it'd be painful. We wouldn't be able to walk. I feel like limits. whenever we, sh- well, whenever we show up to them go karts and we have like our own badass helmets and don't have to use their rental shit box helmets, like they're probably like either saying these guys are gonna be really really fast or really really trouble or really really both because. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know like we show up with custom painted like 900 hundred dollar helmet and like they're renting out these like 1995 walmart specials well dude you go to the go-kart track with racers when you come in off the track like your session's done and you go to park i always make sure i don't pull in front of like a johnny or a slick like there's no more <laughs> terrifying feeling than sitting there parked and you look behind and chad coast is barreling in or freaking danny slick yeah. like you're going to get whiplash because they're going to just ram you in the back. Um, oh, yeah. yeah there's, go-karting with – if you haven't gone with a group of flat trackers, you're either going to get a, kicked out, arrested, or, you know, one of them. You're it's, never coming back. Like, just don't yeah. come back, guys. The pictures <laughs> are on the wall. 
me and uh, Ronnie Smith were there. And we're like critiquing, like, oh man, the front right's too low pressure, man. You know, like we're sitting there trying to give ourselves every bit of advantage. And which one's <laughs> the fastest cart? And you know, because I'm always first one there. I'm like, hey man, you know, here's twenty bucks. Like, wh- which one's the legit cart? And sometimes <laughs> it works out, and and you get like the good ones. But other times they're like, yeah, look at this guy. I'm gonna take his twenty bucks and give him the shitty cart. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's a wrap, boys and girls. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Make sure you go on iTunes and uh, type in Tank Slapping Podcast and subscribe to the show. Leave us a review and uh, hit us up on social media. Tell us what you think. We had a really cool message today from a fan that just um, just one of those appreciation messages that keeps us going. So uh, thank you to to that fan. I think you might hear it and know who you are. But yeah, it's, uh, it's appreciated. And we'll uh, keep it rolling. We got some good guests coming up. And uh, we'll chat you next week. We out.